I've got a point of view on all areas of conflict, which is every perspective has got a kernel of the truth, and every perspective is somehow also incomplete and missing something. Hello and welcome, fellow human. My name is Zachary Stockhill, and you are listening to Humans in Love, a podcast that looks at culture, relationships, and personal development from unconventional perspectives. Join me as I dig into the question of how people like you and I might get more out of life and love. Thanks for being here. Hello and welcome, friends. Thank you for your patience. I know I was supposed to be chatting with you last week. I will spare you the excuses, but anyway, I apologize for letting you down. There was a bunch going on, and well, I said I'd spare you the excuses, so I, I won't give you any excuses other than to say I apologize. But I'm back this week, and as long as I'm talking about potentially apologizing, I am Canadian after all, so that's something we, uh, we tend to do a lot. I wanted to tell you that I'm considering, well, I am rethinking the scheduling of this podcast because again my goal from the beginning was to keep this sustainable over the long term and right now it looks like with my work schedule and with everything I've got going on it doesn't look sustainable to be doing an episode a week right now so I, I'm thinking I mean I'm thinking about a couple of different things one of the things I've been thinking about is doing a model where I release episodes in batches, kind of like a season, like season one, season two, that kind of thing, where you'll get a bunch of episodes over a few months, and then there'll be a break of, you know, a few months, and then there'll be more episodes, that kind of thing. Uh, so I was, I was thinking seriously about that over the past couple of weeks, but the more I think about it, I think I'm, for now anyway, the model I'd like to pursue is just releasing episodes once in a while. And I hope that isn't frustrating to you, or I know it sounds really vague, but you know, I was thinking that a couple of my favorite podcasts, you know, the podcasts are somewhat irregular in that you don't get them every week, but it's always a pleasant surprise when I see, you know, a new episode in my feed. And I thought, well, that's kind of a cool way to do it. So I think for now, that's what it's going to be, where you'll get episodes sometimes. It won't be every week, but there'll be, you know, at least one a month, hopefully more than that. So that's what I'm thinking about doing right now in terms of scheduling the podcast. But if you have any thoughts on that whatsoever, you know, send me a tweet or uh, even better, send me an email at Zachary at ZFStockhill.com. My guest this week is my good friend, Jordan Luke Collier. Jordan is the head coach at Arza Marada, which is a really beautiful organization that helps men have better relationships with women. It's tempting to call Jordan a dating coach, but I, it's not really like that. It's, he's more interested in love and romance than, you know, picking a woman up for a night, which is often what dating coaches are associated with. So you've heard Jordan on the podcast several times. And in today's episode, we gather at my kitchen table and we talked about jealousy and relationships. And we dig into the age old question, can men and women be friends, that kind of thing. So I hope you dig it. Before we get into it, I'll remind you that ratings reviews are absolutely crucial for any podcast success, including this one. So if you dig Humans in Love, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Without any further ado, I present to you my good friend, Jordan Luke Collier. As always, get as personal or not as you want. 
But uh, I've been very curious because we haven't seen each other in like a month. And before last time I saw you, we were having some good conversations about not leaking energy in terms of um, if we're in a monogamous relationship, yeah, not leaking sexual energy in places where it's unproductive or destructive. Yeah. Which, if we're being honest, can be a challenge sometimes, you know. Um, I think especially for people... Guys like us. Who have been extremely single. Exactly. No, exactly. Really. If you get used to being extremely single, which I've certainly done in certain moments of life, and then you want to be... That's another potential podcast, I don't know say. Extremely, extremely single. Extremely single. <laughs> if things don't work out with your girl, then, yeah. Extremely, that'd be, that'd be good. How to make the most of being extremely single. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, and, and so this is, this is a controversial idea, right? Because some people say, oh, a little flirting here and there, that's fine. Um, you know, everyone has different lines in terms of what's acceptable behavior in a monogamous relationship and what's not. People often get quite animated, actually, when you talk about this stuff, when you bring it up, because everyone is thinking about this question in terms of their own relationship. How would I feel if my partner was doing X, you know, um, or whatever. And it's, it's something I've been thinking a lot about lately, because my big thing is, if I'm going to be monogamous, I don't have any illusions that it's easy, or that it's always easy, or that if you find the right person, you'll never be tempted or anything. I mean, that's, that's nonsense. And how do you do it right? And I remember talking to you, yeah, late last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, yeah, you were talking about not letting that energy leak out, which I was really interested in. And like, what, what are your thoughts on that? How are things going with that? How do you see it? Yeah, yeah. I've been eager to talk to you about that. Well, I mean, we said a little while ago, we talked about that process of going from being extremely single <laughs> to in the monogamous relationship and, and all of those mini sacrifices that, that kind of happen along the way to make that happen. Um, this, this was one battleground for me. I think it's easier just to talk about this personally rather than try and draw sure. out a global, no, um, and I wouldn't want to, you know, put out a theory or a dogma or anything. This is just a personal story. Absolutely. But um one of the, the battlegrounds that we came upon in the first year of our relationship was my relationship with other women. So, of course, I've got this recent past of being um, like a dating coach, romance coach, seduction coach, um, So that's kind of, um, it's a bit alluring in a way, but it's also a scary proposition for a lot of women. Like, who is, who is this guy? Is he some kind of, you know, can he not commit? Is he some kind of dog that's sniffing up all the women? Like, can I trust this? And, you know, what is he ultimately here for? What's he going to do? Who is he as a man? Like, there's just big question marks, you know? I get, I get the fruit of my work, which is great understanding perception and awareness in relationship but that's the big question mark you know that 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 I've had to grapple with when I started to get really intimate and so on a number of occasions during last year I would meet up with a female friend um to do some kind of uh I don't know I'd go and visit them or there would be a creative project that we had already established or there would be a connection what is that connection exactly uh is it sexual well we're not having sex 
uh, is it erotic? Well, not in the sexual seduction sense, like we're actually going to end up in the bedroom together, but inherently erotic because it's creative. There's bits of flirting there. There's a meeting of minds, which is very potent and exciting. And, And love gets generated. Like, I think, you know, you've got female friends who you may sleep with, you may not sleep with, you may never want to sleep with. But just the meeting of the two of you creates a potency or opens the heart or is inspiring for other people. You, you know, yeah, like absolutely. as men and women, sexuality, eroticism, let's say, um, encompasses much more than just sex. And so, you know, I've had a lifetime of erotic friendships that have created all kinds of things. And I would be with my girlfriend and my calendar was still kind of full of some of these friendships. And so we would go into them and, and every time my girlfriend would come along with me or she would um, feel that I was going into an engagement with one of these women because they were all beautiful, they were all powerful, they were all kind of compelling, you know, great women, uh, competitors, mm. possibly. And she's got this, this question, you know, can I trust my man's intentions here? Can I trust this woman's intentions here? So for her, it was difficult to understand. And so the thing that would pop up naturally is jealousy. And so your topic. <laughs> I just realized the theme in the face staring back at me here. Um, jealousy would pop up. And so I've got a, um, I've got a point of view on all areas of conflict, which is and we'd end up in conflict over this jealousy. You're blah, 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 blah. I'm not. I'm blah, 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 blah. You know, we kind of end up as warring factions. But I've always got a mindset which is every perspective um, has got a kernel of the truth and every perspective is somehow also incomplete and missing something. Mm. So I always looked at her jealousy and and was like, well, what's the gold in this? Like, surely this is not um, completely out of whack and ungrounded in reality has her jealousy got a kernel of wisdom from which I could and should learn and at the same time like what is she missing you know how what is truly good and beautiful in in the way that I'm showing up you know what what's the innocence in my erotic friendships let's say with these women along the way so so it, it it's no longer a question of who's right who's wrong who's kind of um uh, fiddling the boundaries of the relationship is a question of like, this is quite a complex thing with a lot of moving parts to it. Let, let, let's both kind of try it as best we can to stand outside of the conflict and look at it together because we're in this together and, and then see what's really here. And I will totally take on board if I've got something to learn from, from you and your jealousy. I will look for the divinity in your jealousy and see what it can teach me basically. And I, I talked to her about it and she wasn't really that jealous of men in the past. Um, it, it's just me and um, the way that I'm showing up or the, 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 maybe the baggage or something like that of my profession or um, maybe it's just the, the depth of love in, in our relationship, I believe is, is more profound than what either of us have ever experienced before. And so when we give ourselves to love and attachment that strongly, then any wobble or shake in, in, in is that love going to be there for me tomorrow when I wake up in the morning? We're much more sensitive to those wobbles. Mm-hmm. So 
we looked at it and for the you know a lot of the early times I was like yeah yeah you know you're you're jealous but it's not that like you can see I'll even take you with me and you can see that this is this woman is not a threat to you we're actually friends it's platonic it's Mm -hmm. it's good there's goodness here see my goodness and as time went on it's like she she would start to let a bit more of the reactive part of the jealousy go and then say well she would actually bring her arguments well you know, when you meet with this woman tomorrow afternoon for three hours, is it contributing to your bottom line or is it contributing to hers? For example, like you're giving up your energy, but these are the best hours of your day. You say you've got this life purpose of creating this thing for your guys, but actually you're going on this lunch date and what's it going to give you? And I was like, okay, I'll consider those questions. And I thought about it and it was like, well, hey, actually... Um, she's got a point here. So, so we we end we ended up going through some really hard weeks of exploring um, what part of her jealousy is actually um, reactive and controlling, like wants to keep wants to strip away my freedom, keep me on the leash, ensure that she gets all the love and that I get no freedom to actually be my authentic self. So I don't want to stand for any of that in my relationship. You know, yeah. I obviously you don't want that it's going to be corrosive in the end um but what part of it is actually saying hey dude i'm a woman i know how women operate with men you've got a little blind spot here mm-hmm. you're very susceptible to a pretty face and some good creative energy and you run around after these friendships with girls when actually you're draining a lot of your energy from something you could be working towards like mm-hmm. why not why not put more of your attention in your work and at the same time, look at me. I'm also an inspiring, creative, beautiful, wonderful girl. Like, why are you sharing these parts of yourselves with other women? Share them at home with me. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 there's two ways that her, her quote-unquote jealousy were operating here, possibly in service to me. One is to rescue creative energy that was given to other women and, and, and bring that back into the monogamous relationship so that we get more... Um, of that beautiful, erotic, creative juice and dynamism between us. That felt profound. Like, sure, let's explore that. And the other part is just having more hours in my day to work on my stuff. Mm. You know, not working on someone else's stuff. Or... So I said, and, and this took a little... This took some reconciling in my own mind. But I was like... Um, you know, damn, it hurts to, uh, I don't ever want to make a compromise or a sacrifice. I want to follow my truth and be who I am all the time. Um, but maybe she sees something here that I don't. And so I, I said, listen, I'm willing to do an experiment. I'm going to put these kinds of friendships. I believe that the friendships I have with these women uh, give me something really important that I need and that I should have them. That's my belief. But you might be right. And in the sake of exploration and creating a safe container with you in our relationship, I will put those friendships on hold for six months and we'll do a test. You know, we don't know who's right or wrong. But if I literally don't engage with other women in this kind of creative, friendly, flirting way, because who knows what needs we were getting met and what kicks we were getting from each other. Mm. There might have been some interchange of you know, validation or it's beautiful to flirt with a great girl who I'm not going to sleep with and all that. 
But if I put all that away for six months and only focus on my monogamous relationship and my work in the world, how is that going to then grow me as a man? And therefore, was my girlfriend and her jealousy right in this way? Was she being of service to me? And, and so I'm a few months into that exploration at the moment. I have kind of drawn, I, I've kind of reined in a lot of those energies that I was handing out to these other women in my life. And I've just shared them in my intimate relationship and in my work. And uh, you want to know the results? Of course. <laughs> I'm waiting with bated breath. Uh, so far, so far, I guess we're maybe three months into this little experiment. I don't miss a thing. I don't miss my long lunches with great women. Um, I don't miss the creative side projects and the fun ideas or the, the flirting even that much. Mm. I've got more than enough on my hands with my one monogamous relationship and my work. I feel pretty good about it. So we'll see how this, this unfolds, you know. The, 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 my decision was like, listen, I'll explore this with you for six months. And at the end of six months, if it feels like a wrong turn, if I feel reined in, controlled, overcompromised, like I'm not getting what I need and I need to just let go and and have this freedom again, I, I will call the end of the experiment and take it and deal with these consequences with you if and as they arise. But so far, I'm pretty happy. That's beautiful. Yeah. And do you feel like, I guess this might be a redundant question, but do you, you feel like the relationship is a lot better than it was before, before embarking on this little experiment? It's a lot better is difficult to quantify, but it's, it's furthered in its depth and in its intricacy, in the kind of things that get shared, it, it's evolved somewhat. And it's evolved me as well. And do you feel like she trusts you more and she can, she's sort of relaxing? I think you put it relaxing in the, the base of the relationship more. 100%. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, I guess, because I'm, I'm thinking, of course, in terms of my own life as well. And like you, I've always had close female friends, you know, some of my f closest friends have been female and I can really only think of one of those relationships that genuinely felt like it had a, um, a certain erotic charge, shall we say. And I, I don't know, like I'm imagining now, like if, if I were to really, because I feel like my female friendships now are, I, there's, I really, I don't think I'm deluding myself here. It really doesn't feel like there's any spark of, of that. Do you know what I mean? They, they feel a little different from what you're describing. Um, they genuinely feel like friendships like I have with you, for example, or with someone else where there's, you know, no offense, George, but there's no erotic charge. What? <laughs> Come on, man. We've had these deep and intense podcasts, you know, it's the second one now. <laughs> But yeah, it's like all those talks in the gym and over chicken. Yeah, we've, yeah. Had, we've had a lot of gym time for sure. <laughs> There's been a lot of opportunities in the gym. That's true. Um, but no, it's and so like for example, like do you feel for you right now like could you have a friendship with a woman where it just felt like there's nothing sexual, romantic, erotic here, or even are you putting that in the back burner as well? Like you, you know, you're not even interested in that at this point. Because I'm thinking for me, if I had to give all of that up right now, because I know what you're talking about. And it's so easy to delude ourselves and to justify, you know, the little flirtation here and a little bit of that here. And, and you can, like I've justified in the past, 
but it gives me more energy for you. I come home and I'm a little charged and I, I have more energy oh, for my yeah, girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Went for that one. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the classic example. Right? Um, and, uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do less of that now for sure. Um, but I guess I, I would really miss my female friendships. And I feel like the ones that I have now, I don't have a ton, but the ones that I have now are very, very, like, not sure you'd, how you'd call it asexual or whatever. Like there's really, there's really nothing like that there. Are you open to that or are you just, you can't even let yourself do that at this point? I'm just curious. Um, I mean, I might be open to that. I'm, you know, I've not given myself space mm. to explore it. I've not missed it. Like, I mean, it, what this poses kind of philosophically is the question, can a man and a woman really be friends? Have you seen When Harry Met Sally? No. You've never seen this film? No. So this film is all about that question. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And the answer I'll is... I'll watch that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's probably the... You know, th this is a genre that gets a bad rep for a lot of reasons, but it's definitely one of the best romantic comedies of all time. Yeah. yeah. And the answer is <laughs> yes, but then eventually they start having sex and get married. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you haven't seen it. But come on, it came out in 1989. Anyone listening to this, you, I mean, you should have seen it by now. Yeah, but, um, yeah. No, I think you can smell that one coming, can't yeah. you? If they make a movie about it. And yeah. there is, and there's no doubt, I mean, the more I think about it, like, there's just, you know, there is something different, you know, about intersexual friendships, you know, at least between straight people, shall we say. Yeah. That's actually an interesting point, because when I think about, yeah, because I've had, this is interesting, I've never thought about this before, hopefully this isn't just na navel-gazing, but, like, two of my closest female friends have been lesbians and that felt different from my heterosexual female friends. Right. Okay. That, that I've never thought about that before, but you're right. And there was a, yeah, there's a slightly different dynamic there that felt more like, for example, my friendship with you or any of my other guy friends. How would you describe it? No, I'll actually make that a bit clearer. How would you describe, um, the difference between the quality of friendship you had with your two lesbian friends and the most asexual friendship you had with a heterosexual woman. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the, the first thing that comes to mind, hopefully this doesn't sound arrogant, but, um, I guess in the, my friendship with a heterosexual woman, there's a part of me that thinks I don't want her to lead her on in any way, you know? Um, I don't want her to get a crush on me or whatever, you know, and I guess in some ways that changes the dynamic of the relationship. Whereas with my lesbian friends, that's not even a, <laughs> not even a remote possibility. So it's different. I feel like I can be in some ways, I don't know, in some ways I just feel completely, this might sound odd, but if I really think about it, my friendships with gay women have been more relaxed. Like I can feel like I can, I can be even more of myself. I can have very, very honest conversations. We talk a lot about women, you know, and like in some very honest, nice. you know, pretty revealing ways. Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah. They're fantastic women. Yeah. I've never really thought about it before, but you're, you're giving me something to think about here. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's such a, and where's, where's like, because I, I do think, and you tell me what you think about this, but if you're going to be monogamous, I think it's really important and good for the relationship if you still know that other people find you attractive. You know, if you still have, quote unquote, value, you know, on the sexual marketplace, you know, regardless of whether or not you're in a relationship. I don't think anyone wants to feel attractive to only one person in the world, right? Yeah. 
Um, and in some ways, I think getting some feedback yeah. from the marketplace in that way, just to use very clinical dry terms, in some ways that can be helpful to the relationship, don't you think? It can give you a little bounce in your step. It can make you more confident and perhaps more... You Do you know, mean feedback from the, from the marketplace for you? Yeah. 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 Do you, is that my, am I being clear? Like, it, it's good to feel sexy, you know, in the world and to, to know that you are wanted in some ways, um, which I suppose is a different issue than just friendships, you know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess I'm just trying to think this through because it, it's something that I've thought about too because I think one of the risks of monogamy is becoming boring yeah. and getting stuck in the same patterns and, oh, yeah. you know, like your, your girl's jealousy sounds pretty reasonable given, you know, who you are, the life you've led, um, the situation you described, you know, it doesn't yeah, sound... Yeah, God bless it. Yeah, like it absolutely. Was a learning, it doesn't sound know, unreasonable so. at all. But where's the line between that and, you know, someone else listening to this whose girlfriend is, you know, you're not allowed to talk to any women and, you know, because there's some really, I don't have to tell you, there's some pretty extreme cases of jealousy out yeah. there, right? Where's that line, you know? I, I don't know. And it's an open question. I mean, as a man, the quick thing I'll say to that is, you know, that, that there's always a twin practice in this. <laughs> this has been my kind of thing that I've been doing all year long, that there's always a twin practice. How can I be fully open and empathetic and let her in and trust that her jealousy has got something of the divine in it? And then how can I be like absolutely know my standards and what I'm not willing to take at the same time? Mm -hmm. And yeah, some jealousy is so far over in the controlling side of the spectrum that it makes an actual relationship with such a woman untenable mm. but you know my girl's not in that it's like I mean I could have interpreted it as that and then run for the hills like oh shit she's jealous this is not going to work out but that wasn't true anyway there's a lot of discernment and there's always two sides of the coin and there's a constant inquiry you know that's happening like to be awake in a relationship and you know steer it I think in a good direction and let's flip the script for a moment like how have you felt in the past when your girlfriends have had male friends how would you feel now if your girl had a close male friend because when I've been in that situation yeah. it's like you, you mentioned yeah I thought that was well put you were talking about how your girl your girlfriend you know she she might be able to see something I don't know if we can use her name so I'm just calling her your girlfriend yeah that, that's perfect yeah, okay yeah, cool yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know, she might see something in, in the motives or intentions of these other women that maybe you don't, yes. you won't see, right? And when I think about in the past, when I've been dating women who have had male friends, yeah. you know, I've spent an evening out with them or whatever, and I've seen like, sweetheart, he's just biding his time. He wants to get in your pants. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. most of the time, yeah, it's yeah. like these guys are, they're trying to do the friend thing where they friend their way into sex you know, or they're, yeah. you know, they're on the bench. They're just waiting to be called up, right? Like as soon as Zach's out of the picture or whatever. And I don't think that's been my, my own jealousy or paranoia or insecurity. I think a lot of the time it's, I mean, you know what guys are like. I know what guys are like. You yeah, know? you can smell it in my Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so my, my issue has often been, you know, I trust my, my girlfriend, you know. I, I absolutely trust her. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen, but in some ways you're leading this guy on without realizing it, perhaps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. which is, that's a messy... Thank oh man I'll, I'll just you know put my hand up and say at the beginning that the one thing to practice is like open good humored discernment throughout all of this because now we get really into the shades of gray here mm -hmm. yeah. um 
that's why I love having these good discussions with you because it's like these themes are pretty tricky yeah. and they can take some help with navigating. So what a good thing that we can get together as men and kind of laugh about our, our learning. Essentially, th this is it for the skills. Sometimes my girlfriend will look at other girls and then say, she's got these hidden intentions and you don't see them because you're wrapped up in her beauty because you're a lover of beauty. <laughs> and you miss the fact that she's trying to sneak her way in to steal something from you or get her dirty little needs met on you. And, and my girlfriend's like, you don't see any of that. You're so naive. Mm. And then so I look at her and I'm like, okay, so what part of that is true? Like, what am I genuinely blind to because I like a pretty face and some manipulative behavior, you know, it goes underneath the, the, the conscious barrier. What of that does she see that I can't? And what of her perspective of other women is actually skewed by her own fears, biases, mistrust? How much, you know, I trust my girl, but how, how, how much kind of rational, skeptical disbelief should I hold when I listen to her? And so, the, the, you know, there's an ongoing debate about that. And, and I don't know, Let, let's check it out and feel it out case by case. Yeah. And then there's the whole, you know, hypocrisy watchdog. <laughs> and, and I tell you, you know, like we, we talked a little while ago about the, the accelerator pedal and the level of truth. You know, I could go in and say, you know, baby, you're a hypocrite because blah, 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 blah. And we, we went to, she she's a qigong instructor she did a big qigong instructor training and qigong is the opposite to yoga as a guy you go to yoga it's 80 percent girls 80 percent of that 80 percent are single thank god for that <laughs> and we've got our place but but qigong is 80 percent dudes and 80 percent of those dudes are single and the kind of energy that that creates is maybe less divine and more incorporated like qigong men are pretty badass actually hmm. yeah so I went, when we met, um, we weren't together at this point, but she took me up to her, her Qigong place, beautiful, massive resort retreat center here, gardens up here in Thailand. We had day out, went out on the bike. It was kind of romantic. And we were in the unsure moment of our relationship. You know, there's feelings, but she's coy and blah, blah, blah. She's like, Jordan, these are my Qigong friends. They're like five dudes they're all muscly, they're all present, they're all kind of breathing deep into their balls all morning or whatever it, whatever it is that these guys are doing. And they're all horny as hell because there's not so many women up here. And I remember sitting with her on the lunch table and there, there were guys, like their eyes were popping out of their head, like salivating, looking at my girl who's radiant, you know, she's a ball of energy. Like most guys are compelled by, you know, how she dances around and just is. And so all these guys are, you know, thick into her, as you said, they might be trying to be friends, but you can tell what their intentions are. And, and I'm like, you, you saw how much those guys are into you. No, 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 no. They're just, they're, they're nice guys. They're just being my friends. Babe, no, like wake up seriously. Like there was saliva literally <laughs> dropping onto their shirts, like each and every single one of them. She's like, no, 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 no. This guy's got a girlfriend and blah, 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 blah. Is and that, is that false humility or, or her genuinely not seeing that do you think i think there's a bit of not seeing yeah yeah and, and i think a lot of this as well um yeah the, the, there's not seeing because i've been in that position and it's been like almost false humility where it's like oh no no no, no. she's she's got a boyfriend da, 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 da. And like you don't want to be like oh yeah they're all after me do you know what i mean yeah yeah bit of denial maybe maybe a little bit of humility but but i think it's just like um 
uh, like just not wanting to enter there or accept it or accept the fact like um, that she enjoys it too. Right. She enjoys attention. I enjoy the attention. We, we, sure. A lot of us get our kicks from someone like us. Great. A good, good presence, strong presence from a good, solid, masculine man feels good to a woman in general. Mm-hmm. Not all women, you know. Some of the, um, you know, might have a difficult reaction to that. But if a woman's kind of open and in her feminine, then that feels amazing. Just like if there's a woman who's just like, you know, shining and dancing and looks over at us and there's a way she looks at us that's different to other men. It's like, yeah, you know. It can change your life. The, the cup gets filled up, you know. Yeah. I derailed you though. Like, take me back to hanging out with these guys and being in that situation. Like, did you feel jealousy, insecurity? Like, what was that like for you? I'd call it intensity. Hmm. Um, Cause I, I mean, I get curious, right? That, that, that's kind of my go-to. It's like, Ooh, this feels uncomfortable. <laughs> Me, me and my girl, we met in a yoga studio. So she saw me uh, with five girls around me and I'm just taking them by the hand and kissing them on the cheek. And I'm, I'm just like, you know, the lion in my den with all these beautiful tigresses around me. And, and I was in delight, right? And to go to there, I'm like, shit, this is a bear pit. You know, this is the only girl around and these guys are hungry bears. Mm. And so um, it, I wouldn't call it jealousy. I didn't take any action on it at all. I didn't feel compelled to, but I would feel charged in my body. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I want this girl for myself. What if one of these guys is just more compelling or strong or he does something or, you know, if I turn my back and he, I don't know, rips her by the hand and pulls her off into the distance and sneaks in a word. You know, I, I know some things about seduction. I know if, if you're a guy who's quick, you put your communication in beneath the radar. None of the other guys around you know what's going on and you've slipped your message across the table. So as a guy, if I shut my eyes and my ears for one second, I know that if a guy is switched on and awake, he can communicate something to the girl. So if I get wrapped up in my phone or if I get mindless for five minutes, it's totally within reason that one of these guys would take her by the hand, pull her aside and whisper a little something to her. So I, I, I'm just aware and I'm carrying that intensity of knowing how a strong man can be. And then I'm just feeling intense. And then as we go home out of the parking lot at the end of the day, relief. <laughs> but, but is it jealousy? I think it's, uh, I, I would just call it a, a, a tension or an intensity that hasn't yet become jealousy or anything else. Mm. But, but, it, but it, it, I'm glad for my training that I can feel it, just call it intensity, and then not distort it in my mind into meaning. Mm. Just because there's a lot of guys here and they're all great and she seems to be liking the attention doesn't mean anything until my brain gets involved and makes up a story about it. Mm. And that's where I think, well, you tell me better than me, but um, I think that's where a lot of people get wound up in jealousy because they make up stories about just intense feelings and yeah. that can compound. And ultimately you either... Tr- trust your partner or you don't, right? I mean, a lot of the time it comes down simply to that because people will tell me things like, yeah, I trust my girlfriend, but I don't trust this other guy. And it's like, okay, was well, this other guy like violent? Like, is he going to, well, no, you know, not, not like that, but I just don't trust him. It's like, okay, well, if you trust your girl, then to some extent, unless this guy is going to be like physically overpower your girl or something scary like that, you know, you're either going to make like, I think it, it becomes a lot more, just these these little everyday interactions is just jealousy in general. Like yeah, everything just becomes a lot easier when you just make the decision. Like I could be totally wrong here about trusting this person, but I'm going to try. 
right? I'm going to trust them until they give me a reason not to trust them. Because it's just, it's just so much easier to live your life that way. And to have a faith that, you know, the universe will reward your trust. And if something funny is going on, it's going to come out. You know, it's 2019. Everyone's hooked up to their phones, taking pictures all the time and social media, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's really hard to get away with things. And like, ultimately, if you can't trust that person, that's going to come to the, to the fore. I've got a different frame on this. Okay. Um, I wouldn't even say it's about trust. Like, even if I cannot trust my girl, or even if I do not trust my girl, I, I won't even look at the word trust. Like, she might do something to break that trust. But do I choose to love her in any... Do I choose to love her anyway? Mm. That's all I'd say. Are you going to love her if she goes off with the five Qigong guys and behind your back? Yes. Eventually. (laughs) (laughs) There's a very important word there. Yes, yes, of course. I want to come back to a place of love. And, Mm. you know, if if something happens to break trust, then so be it. Um, Trust is... Trust can be pretty easy to break, mm-hmm. especially in a relationship. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to, I don't want to hold anyone to ransom, especially not, I don't know, just, maybe it's just the way I see women or feel the feminine, you know, it's like, maybe she will do something that, that, that um, challenges or, or breaks trust. And so I don't, the question for me is like, even if she does something that's out of the bounds of the relationship, what do I, do I choose to love her anyway? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that makes like things like dealing with cheating, you know, if you, if someone cheats on you and breaks up, but can you come back to that place of love anyway and love them in spite of everything, even if you can't be with them? Yeah. That definitely makes things easier. I think for sure. I want to shift focus a little bit with the time we have left to come back to something. I think we were talking about earlier in the day as well. Um, I, I, I won't say keeping the spark alive in long-term relationships because that's just unbearably corny, but you know what I mean. Keeping things... Hey, even it though, says, says that on my sales page. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if you're living with someone, because this is something I think a lot of people struggle with. I've struggled with it in the past. I'm sure you do sometimes too. Like, going from that place of, of that very charged, very excited, you know, just getting together energy, you know, you're having sex all the time, things are feeling very alive and... Going from that transitioning into something that's more, you know, domestic, shall we say, where you're living together, yeah. you know, sometimes she has diarrhea, <laughs> you're, you're doing dishes together. Um, what have you learned in the past year just about that, like living with someone and, you know, trying to keep the, you know, things feeling good and feeling fresh and feeling charged? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've been definitely through ups and downs. And at the same time, we're a year in, so we're, we're still within the kind of hormonal yeah. window, you know, ask me in a year and a half when we get yeah. to those two and a half years and it might be a different story. Um, the charge has been up and down between us because we've had a hectic lifestyle and we've traveled to so many countries and so many things have got in the way that we, we you know, we've had some battles inside and outside of the relationship already. So that has an effect on, on that sure. raw sexual charge. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of tricks, you know, there's some tricks to hack the system when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, a teacher I respect once said, and I love this cause it's extremely settling for the heart. She said, it's much, much harder to find a good relationship than it is to find good polarity. It's hmm. probably true. And it's much easier 
to reinstate sexual polarity in a good relationship than it is to swap relationship and find another good match for you. Mm. Yeah, that seems true to me. So it's incredibly soothing. So I'm like, okay, if I've got a good relationship, that's really, really valuable. You know, even as a man, I mean, you know this, we've had these conversations over the last year or so. Um, Just because you have an abundance with women, because you're good in the dating game or you've got your shit together or whatever it is. uh, Just because you feel abundance with women doesn't mean that finding a good girlfriend for you is an easy job. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. That's all, right? Yeah, I was a bit probably too adamant there, but, I, but I'm kind of revealing my hand. No, not, yes. not saying anything bad about all the many girls of that you course. dated. Over <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's very hard to find. Yeah, and, and I mean, I took that on board from a lot of my, my kind of older male friends and mentors that have been about a little bit, and they say the same thing. You know, you can date around, you can be with hundreds and hundreds of girls, but to find one who who is a good match is, is rare, and... So, you know, there, there are tricks and hacks. Like, I know that if I take a few days away from my girlfriend, I'm going to come back with a bit more spark. Mm. Just the, like, simply physically being away. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I know that if I hit the gym with you, I'm going to come back with more strength in my body. And when I've got more strength and energy in my body, well, then I want to pick her up and wrestle her and throw her on the bed and I will last longer. I'm more hungry, you know? Yeah. Um, if I've got a truth that I have not revealed, you know, again, this is going back to the truth pedal, but sometimes if I take my, my foot too much off that accelerator and I, there's some gnawing, nagging things that I don't like about the way she's showing up or I'm in my own head rattling over some complaints and some, uh, you know, I don't like this, blah, 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 this kind of grumble. Um, sometimes if I speak all my grumbles and she hears them out, then they're gone. Then I come back to a place of spark. And then there's start, you know, there's a question of responsibility. Like if I'm feeling spark in myself as an individual and there's things I can do that, that what does Jordan need to do? So he feels great. You know, maybe I need to buy myself a new something, or maybe I need to go and have a cappuccino in my favorite cafe or, you know, eat my donut with my transcendent moment of, you know, matcha donut eating in the local shop. There are things that I can do that put the, the twinkle in my eye and the spring in my step. And I, I've got to take responsibility to keep doing that for myself and, and, um, bring that back to the relationship. And, and, and it's an ongoing thing. You know, I said to you this morning, let's, I only get a big motorbike. Let's just go off into the mountains because I want to go and sit out there and sit in the silence and feel the, the air out there that I love peace and I love silence it feels so good and I love to know that it's unperturbed like there's not going to be a like a baby check out this I just saw this on Instagram right. <laughs> like it, like there, there's no chance of that and after a couple of days then I then I want it again you know it's like I want my girl and I get that drive back but you asked um I mean there's books written on this kind of stuff you know just to add to the self-help pile but you asked a, a different question earlier on which I liked even more which is uh, pacing. Yeah. Yeah, let's come back to that. Because <laughs> this is something that's near and dear to me right now, or a question that's been on my mind a lot um, as one in a new relationship, is how the hell do you approach pacing the relationship? And we could spend an hour probably on this topic alone, <laughs> which we won't. But yeah. 
how do you do that? Because especially when the, you know, the hormones are going crazy and you just, you know, the person's like a drug. You know, I always think of that Roxy Music song, love is, is the drug. Not a drug, love is the drug, yeah. right? It's like nothing else really compares in some ways. Um, yeah, I'd like, I'm glad you reminded me of that because it's something I wanted to talk about as well. What are your thoughts on how to pace things, you know, like in terms of even just practically, like when do you, you know, make major decisions together and when are you seeing each other too much or whatever? Right. Like it's a totally open question and it's been on my mind a lot. Yeah. I had, um, cause I was magically just thinking about this question yesterday. There's like a wide, there's a wise old man inside of me that kind of says, um, you know, given what I've learned and been through, one of the most delicious moments in life is the moment of falling in love, including all of the uncertainty about whether it's going to materialize into anything or not. Mm. Um, it's so delicious that, you know, our friends at the Tantra school are all about, um, you know, falling in love is like, uh, it's like you got, got given a, um, a free pass to experience God. Mm. And so while, beautifully you, put. while you're swimming in that um, romantic opening and uncertainty and tension, like that cocktail combined is, 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 is full on. And, and these are some of the sweetest moments and memories that people have in their entire lives. And, you know, if you, if you get to see your girl one day a week, and you're swimming in those feet, that, that infatuation every single day. And then you get to see her on Saturday afternoon in the park and you walk around and when, when your fingers touch each other, it's like electricity happens and then she has to go. So you don't, you know, you don't even consummate it with a kiss and you go home and you wonder. Or like these moments are so sublime. And so from, from the perspective of old age, you want to extend and expand those moments as long as possible. Because if you go into relationship, um, you know, the stability and the teamwork and the, you know, we need to go to the supermarket together and I'm, I'm wrestling with my taxes and you need to help me with this and blah, blah, blah. Like that's going to happen. It's a given that the relationship is going to coalesce into having to be a functional unit at some point. But, but those moments are, are so rare. Yeah. The problem with young people, fuck. <laughs> How old are you, Jordan? I'm just giving my age. <laughs> no, but this can happen. Jordan's 78 no, years old. <laughs> no, this is absolutely unrelated to age. It can happen yeah. when you're older as well. But, but the, the problem when you're young and impulsive and, and that um, the, the, the uncertainty and the, the anxiety of falling in love forces us to make us want to consummate it as soon as possible. We want to get off on that drug. We don't want to just see the, the, the heroin of love on the table. We want to be, you know, injecting it straight away. It's mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the force, the magnetism, the, the polarity there is compelling. We want to be in it and we want to spend all our time together. Um, but then when we come together, the, the, the more we come together and the sooner we crystallize into the togetherness, the, the sooner we lose the, the uncertainty of whether we're going to be together in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, like a good meditation, te they do chocolate meditation. My mum teaches this actually. She okay. Teaches chocolate meditation. I like it already, but what, what, what is chocolate <laughs> meditation? Well, she, she'll buy a bar of chocolate and give a square of chocolate to each of the ladies and is like, listen, you put this on your tongue rather than just 
eat it straight away and then scoff your face with the next one and the next one. You, you savor every single last morsel of this piece of chocolate. And then once all the taste of chocolate has actually left your mouth, like open your eyes and come back to the group. Mm. And on one piece of chocolate, you know, if, if you've got a sugar craving, that chocolate can go down in five seconds. You know, it's snorted, <laughs> not even chewed, right? But you can make one little piece of chocolate last for 30 minutes. And, and so it's the same, I think, in, in falling in love. Like, how do we pace a relationship so we can expand that time of, of beauty and, and, and live in it for as long as possible? Because if there's two schools of thought, two different ways of living your life. One way is you fall in love, live it intensely, you get high on the feelings of falling in love. And as soon as you come back to that, as soon as you start to coalesce to the, with the woman and the, the commitment and, and the, the brutal reality of daily life starts to kick in, you can just leave and then go and do it again. You can chase another romance high, mm. right? And you can live your life like that. If you go the monogamy path and you're like, right, I want to settle down. I get the value of, you know, this is who I am. I want to get married. I want to do the long game with someone. Then, then that's it. You only actually get one chance of your opening phase. So if you're going for a long-term deep monogamy and you kind of know that it's going somewhere with this girl, you only get one initial phase and you only get one set of stories of being in that initial phase. And you can do things later on in the relationship to reignite it or manufacture it or to bring in romance anew for sure. But, but there's two parts in this, I think. One is like in service of us, like let's draw this out. We've got the feeling that you and I might be together for years and years and years. Intuitive knowing. Let's really taste the deliciousness of this and, and not get off on each other too quick too soon that we get sick from the chocolate mm. or, or overeat so that the, there's a beauty I think if I'm to, if I'm single as an old man I will make that romance stage like be long and tasty and whatever anxiety and uncertainty will I get her does she love me will we get together I'll swim in that as, for as long as I possibly can. Because it's fun, right? I like all, all the uncertainty and the unanswered questions and that, that tension. Yeah. It's fun. It really is. I mean, I think not, maybe not for everyone, but I, I'm totally on the same page. It it's fun. Taste. It, it is, is an acquired taste. Like most people yeah. can't deal with that level of uncertainty. We need answers. We need to lock it down. Mm -hmm. We need to, you know, get him or her in the bag. Um, for me, it's just, I think like, it just really reminds you in a way that few else things can, that you're alive. You know, I feel very alive, very charged, very energized. Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's, you know, to be that much in love is, is like being on drugs. I've walked down the street and you know, it, reality, everything looks different. And how many times does that happen in your life? Like if you're lucky, I mean, l less than you can count on. I mean, you can probably count on one hand. I think for the overwhelming majority of people, how many times that happens, you know? And I like the idea a lot of, of drawing it out. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the other part of it, which this, I think to do things in this way takes a lot of maturity and skill. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something to grow into. So, um, you know, don't knock yourself if you're listening to this. <laughs> and you like to put your cravings out 
really soon. But um, also there's something to be said for not playing your best cards right at the very beginning. What do you mean by that? I'm intrigued. Well, say you've got... Um, like the absolute best you can do, like the greatest artistic romantic expression that is in your heart to do um like the most epic love letter Mm -hmm. the most epic trip um the most epic gesture like don't do it in the first week (laughs) start small so you you can build them up bit by bit because then you're you know you play your best cards too soon your relationship is based on a um uh, like an unwinnable game of having to transcend yourself every single time. Mm-hmm. And then you soon fall into the trap. And I, you know, I got a bit of stick for this. Like you never take me anywhere anymore. <laughs> you, you start off and you blow so hot that you, you inevitably run out of gas. That's great. Yeah. That's super important. I like that a lot because you're right. Because this, I mean, I, maybe I did this 10 or 12 years ago, but I don't think I do it today, but I think a lot of people do like, yeah, they fall in love. They feel the, that incredible rush of chemicals. And it's like, I want to impress this person with this, with, you know, these elaborate gestures or the most epic love poem or letter or whatever. But I don't want to say make them earn it because that's, that's probably a wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. But like, make sure they're, I don't know, even, I was going to say make sure they're worth it. That's probably a wrong way of framing it as well. But just make sure you... um I don't know. I don't know how to frame that. Do you know what I'm trying to get at here? It's the same thing as sex, right? Like the best sex you ever have. Most probably, no, the deepest and highest sex you ever have most probably involves a long foreplay time. Yes. So it's the same in relationship as well. Like if you want to take her extremely high or extremely deep, then the best thing you can do is lots and 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 lots of foreplay. And it will always pay dividends in the heights or depths. Like you can go at it in five minutes, but the fire is going to go high and then it's going to go out, you know, in half an hour or whatever it is. So it's the same notion, I think, with intimacy. That's really well put. On that note, (laughs) we're at two hours already, as it always happens when we get together for these. Where can people find you on the web, Jordan? Well, they can find me in my upcoming podcast. (laughs) As yet unnamed. Yeah. Um, so the best way to find me right now is to find me through Arza Murata. You can send me a, an email, jordan at Um Find me on Facebook, send a message to me directly there. And hopefully by the time this thing goes live, you'll actually have a link to, to my podcast where you can get me directly. Perfect. Yeah. And any guys listening to this, struggling with women, take the Arza Murata Fundamentals course. It's tremendous. Yeah, the 90-day course, it's really great. Um, yeah. It's both a, a quick and profound fix, and it's also a lifelong journey. Like, yeah. I think you can tell with these conversations about love and romance, it, it's uh, a skill for a lifetime. Yeah, to say the least. Jordan, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you, brother.
there you have it, my friends. And before I let you go, I will take a moment to plug Jordan again and his work at Arza Morada. If you'd like, a, you know, just more Jordan generally, and you'd like to get a deeper insight into his thinking and the organization he works with, I think the best place to start would be his In Search of the Alabaster Girl series. So if you go to YouTube and you search In Search of the Alabaster Girl, it's this program he made with some of the other members of the Ars Amorata team. It's a 50-part YouTube series, literally 50, 5-0. So there's a lot of content there. It's all for free on YouTube. And it's truly some of the most beautiful discussions around dating relationships that I've ever heard. I think it's really inspiring. So I would strongly encourage all of you to look up In Search of the Alabaster Girl on YouTube. I'll remind you once again that ratings and reviews are really important. So if you dig Humans in Love, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Other than that, thank you again for your patience as I figure out how to make this podcast experience sustainable for myself and entertaining for you. Uh, I really appreciate all the emails that I get from people saying how much they enjoy the show. And it's really cool when people tell me where they're listening to it. Like someone say like, oh, you know, I went for a walk with my dogs or I was on an airplane, that kind of thing. It, it, it makes it more real for me anyway. Like it, it, it makes it, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's an inspiring, motivating tool for me to actually picture people listening to this in their daily lives. So please don't, uh, don't ever be afraid to reach out and check in. Before I let you go, I'll remind you that life is short, far too short to not really enjoy the hell out of your Valentine's Day. Whether you are single or with a special person, I really hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening, friends. I will talk to you again very soon. Thank you.